Yeah, one in a hundred Australians aged 15 to 49 are addicted to methamphetamine. I know, it's a disturbing figure. Most of the supply comes from Burma, or Myanmar as it's known. Astonishingly, no one has ever really explored the journey of this illicit substance to Australia until now. Connor Woodman is the author of Meth Road, and he's explored the concerning world of the Australian drug trade, particularly focusing on methamphetamine. His story, which... In, in part seems to remind me of Breaking Bad, the TV show, I must say, highlights the issue of addiction, which affects a huge number of people. Connor's journey took him from the heart of meth production in Myanmar to Australia, uh, which is one of the biggest consumers of this illegal substance. He joins us on the program tonight. Connor, good evening to you. Welcome to Nightlife. Hey, good evening. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you, great to have you with us. How did you find out about where meth was made in, what's it called, Wah State in Myanmar, is it? Yeah, Wah is a um, is a part of another state called Shan State in Myanmar, which is um, which is down on the border there with um, with Thailand. Hmm. Um, it wasn't something I knew very much about actually. The story kind of found me. Um, There's an old an old colleague and friend of mine was uh, helping one of the big streaming networks do a show about drugs in different countries around the world. And when they were doing the episode on methamphetamine, they discovered that the biggest laboratories producing methamphetamine were over the Thai border in in Shan State in southern Myanmar. And in the process of researching that story, the person that they were using to get access into that world got shot. And um, she actually called me while she was trying to flee Myanmar and get back to safety in Thailand. And the upshot of it was that she got back to safety, but um, the broadcaster, who we don't have to mention, said, well, there's no way we're doing that story. It's way too dangerous. People are getting shot. We're not going to send our our crew and our presenter in there to try and film it. Um, So their loss was my opportunity, really. I thought, well, if they won't go in there, that that sounds like an interesting story. Why is so much of the world's methamphetamine being produced in the... Sorry, Doug. Why is so much of the world's methamphetamine being produced in... We just, we're, sorry, we just missed a bit of that, Connor. Can we just go back? Sorry, yeah, the dog would... And anticipate the dog going crazy in the background. Apologies to your listeners. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I was I was fascinated why so much of the world's methamphetamine was coming from this tiny part of of Myanmar, mm. um, and so I set about to to go and find out for myself. So you went over the border into the where these labs are. Yeah, so um, I got a flight into Thailand and went over to to Myanmar. Um, walked over the the footbridge that goes from northern Thailand into southern Myanmar into a town called Tashlek, which is. A bit of a sort of Sodom and Gomorrah type lawless town, um, popular with um, popular with Chinese tourists and tourists, some other tourists as well. Kind of go over there, mm. I think, curious to see what Myanmar's like and maybe dip their toe in. But if you go much past Teshlek, you're you're into jungle territory, and a lot of those jungles are controlled by ethnic armed groups who are raging the civil war against their their own government. Mm. Um, and a, a way of paying for the for that civil war, paying for the bullets and the arms and the guns and the soldiers, um, is to get involved in the drug trade. And 
So by spending a bit of time over there, I was there. I was there for months, just trying trying to meet people, trying to win some confidence, um, work my way up the up the chain a little bit. Uh, I got access to some of the people that were involved in in producing methamphetamine, distributing, smuggling, um, and getting it from from the laboratories in the jungle all the way down to the ports in southern Thailand and Malaysia from where they could ship it internationally, um, Australia who, who being the biggest market. Who controls it? Is it really controlled by a number of different rebel groups or is there, or is there a kingpin here? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it seemed to me like everyone had their finger in the pie somewhere, even the Burmese army, I would say, to an extent, because there's a lot of money. You know, If you look at the, the GDP of the whole country, it's a fraction of the amount of money being made out of methamphetamine. So everyone who's involved, I would say, in the war is making some money on the side from methamphetamine, mm-hmm. whether that's directly from production or whether that's from leasing land. So what, what some of the ethnic armed groups will do is they won't get directly involved in production, but they'll say, well, look, there's a couple of, here's a square mile of jungle over here that's under our control. And we'll lease that to, I don't know, it could be a, could be a Chinese drug gang, could be a Taiwanese drug gang. Um, but anyone that's, that's looking for, to set up a facility um, will give you protection and then we'll make our money out of helping you to export it from the from from the laboratory to the edge of our territory, mm. where you you can then go to the next it, ethnic armed group. How yeah. is it exported to Australia through Thailand? Is it so? The route that I discovered was that um, most of the methamphetamine was being produced in in this this part of Shan State that's under the control of the War governments. So the War mm. are a particularly particular ethnic group who are expanding their territory within within Shan Strait State. From there, it's taken either over the border into Thailand directly, um, and, and that involves hundreds of young men loading up methamphetamine into into rucksacks, twenty kilo rucksacks, and walking it over the border. Or there are slightly more sophisticated routes taking it down into um, the border with with Laos, and the Laos border was an interesting one for me because once you got it to the, the Lao border and into what, you know, the golden triangle is the kind of part of the world we're talking about. Um, there are these big casino towns that have been essentially leased from either the Burmese or the Lao government by Chinese billionaires to create their own sort of independent fiefdoms. So the one that I spent some time in was called King's Romans. It was just a, a big casino town. Um, the guy that that's running it is, you know, wanted by the by the by the US FBI. He's on the most wanted list, but he has complete impunity to do whatever he wants within this territory. And he's built a great big casino, and one of the things that I discovered there was that it was also being used as a staging post for methamphetamine. So, if you were exporting methamphetamine out of Myanmar and you needed somewhere to store it while you were waiting for the the ships to be ready. Uh, you went to King's Romans, and King's Romans exists outside of the power of the Lao military, or the Burmese military, or the Thai military, or the DEA. Um, it's uh, it's extraordinary that these places are allowed to exist. Mm. How big a market? How big a market is Australia for methamphetamine? It's the it's the biggest. Um, what in the world? 
for that part of the world. I mean, Japan is pretty big and South Korea is pretty big. New Zealand's not insignificant. You, Thailand you mean itself, the, you mean for the for the myth that's produced in Myanmar that Australia is the yeah. biggest is the biggest market. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, it, it wouldn't be as big as the U.S. market, but the U.S. market is being served by the Mexican cartel. Yeah. So for the for me for Myanmar methamphetamine, yeah, Australia is is number one. Mm. Yeah. You guys, you guys consume more methamphetamine per capita than any other country in the world. I think. How do they? How's it? How does it? How has it got into Australia? Just, just in the when I say normal way, but in the way that drugs are through shipments of um, on the surface uh, benign goods. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a long way from from Myanmar to Australia, so you've got to put it on a ship. Mm. Uh, it's hard to get it there on a on a small vessel. It's much easier to put it on a big shipping container. Uh, you've got to get it into a shipping container, which means concealing it in something else. So, I mean, they're pretty inventive. These guys, you know, they'll they'll hide it in cars or electric electronic goods. Speakers. I've seen. I've even seen bottles of chili sauce where. The, it looks like a bottle of chili sauce, and if you squeeze it, chili sauce comes out at the end of it. But mm. the bottom ninety percent of the bottle is a cavity in which they've they've put methamphetamine. So they they're always looking for new ways. Um, and one of the biggest gangs, the Sam Gore gang, they have a deal whereby if you order a significant amount of methamphetamine, and we're, we're talking hundreds of kilos, half a ton, and it doesn't make it through to Australia, well, they'll just send you another one. You know, it's like oh, Amazon. Well. Your package doesn't arrive. Don't worry. We'll send you another one. Mm. It ha it's it's one of those drugs which it. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, it has attraction. It's highly addictive. It seems, uh, but it has the scariest reputation of almost of any drug, doesn't it? I mean, it seems to make people go nuts, make people very violent. And yeah, seems, I mean, it seems like one of those drugs that people don't dabble in particularly, but get hooked on. Is that it? I, I, I don't know if that's entirely fair. I mean, I, I was shocked when I went to Australia and saw some of the TV advertising campaigns sort of vilifying methamphetamine users. You know, you've probably all seen the one where the guy goes into the emergency room and hmm. sort of turns into the Incredible Hulk, rips the place to pieces. You know, I, that really wasn't my experience of spending time with methamphetamine users, which I did a lot when I was in Australia. Um, I think I think there's a significant number of people do dabble. I met I met lawyers, doctors, bankers, professional people that use methamphetamine recreationally at the weekend. Um, I th think it is something that easily gets out of control, in a similar way to alcohol. Maybe alcohol. I kept thinking alcohol was probably the most similar drug on the market, insofar as. I kept meeting people who seemed to have a handle on their methamphetamine use until they didn't. Mm. There's something quite insidious about it in that it can creep up on you and one minute you think, oh, this is kind of helping me to to relax at the weekend. And then the next thing, you're doing it during the week and it's creeping into your professional life and your personal life. And then it's out of control. Um, maybe alcohol is quite similar in that way. Mm. Do you think that Australian policing is at all effective in stopping it? So I looked at the numbers with policing quite carefully. Um, I was so impressed with the Australian Federal Police and um, and the Border Force. And it's about 50% of all the methamphetamine coming into Australia gets caught 
which is extraordinary. That's They're very so high. high. That's extremely high. Yeah, yeah it's it's, a, it, it's amazing. They're intelligent. It's mostly intelligence led. It's very thorough. Um, you know, those guarantees I was talking about that Sam Gore offered to Australian distrib- distributors that are putting orders on with them. You know, that's costing them a lot of money. It's really, really effective. Once the drugs are in the country, though, the effectiveness goes right down. So um, you kind of have to spend about $12 at state level um, for every gram that you're confiscating compared with at federal or border border level. So as sad as it is to say, I think the the policing side of things is lost once it's in the country. Hmm. So you've kind of got to stop it coming in and you will never stop it because they'll just send another one. But you can keep the prices high. You can keep the arrests coming. You know, you need to have that deterrent, I think. But effectively, once it's through the border, then you've lost that battle. Yes, indeed. All right. Look, Connor, we've got uh, a news bulletin ahead of us. So I do thank you for your time. Your book is called Meth Road and uh, is, is out now which details this and uh, many other details of the, the methamphetamine trade. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Connor Woodman, investigative journalist and author of Meth Road. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.